Welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. Today on the show is a girl that I've been following for a while now. She also wears the color red a lot. She has red hair. Her name is Gabby Kovalenko. She is really big on Instagram and YouTube, and it's growing very quickly. And she is... She is 22, just about 23 years old. And when you start to hear her talk, you're like, wow, where the heck does that come from? She is, you know, she's just one of those unique individuals that just gets it. She just understands how things work. And so she works in the area of energy a lot. And I'm going to read how she describes her work. She's a transformational thought leader who teaches a pro-consciousness approach to personal development and mindful living. For those of you who've listened to a lot of the interviews I've done, you'll understand this is the stuff that I ask a lot of questions about. I'm so fascinated with. So we talked about the matrix, we talked about consciousness and enlightenment and the ego, what the universe is, and then what the universe is and how you can upgrade your life so that you become a match to the reality that you want. And essentially that's what it's all about, right? And it's not about, she says a beautiful line, I'm just gonna call it at the beginning. Pain is inevitable, but that suffering is a choice. Yes, there are things that aren't easy, but suffering is your choice. How you can align yourself and see the events from a higher perspective to have more peace about it. Hit the subscribe button. I really, really, really appreciate that. It shows me that you enjoy the content. Hit the bell for notifications. And as always, thoughts in the comments. I can't wait to hear this one. I wore red because, well, it's my favorite color and... I was almost going to put this on yesterday. I did a couple episodes yesterday and I was like, no, tomorrow I wear red. Um, But I do have a theory that days have a color. And like, I noticed this in particular, like going to the gym, which I know we can totally talk about. Um, But, but generally speaking, even at, um, I went to a golf tournament the other day and everyone was wearing green. And even my friend was like, wow, everyone's in green. And so I just have a, theory that days have a color. So I wonder, since you work all in the sphere of energy and frequency, how, what do you think of that? And how does that play into energy and frequency? I think there's a lot right there to unpack. First of all, I think we are all tied into the collective consciousness. So that's one massive concept that influences the way that we perceive reality and perceive ourselves. There's also nothing that is random. So many of us experience, you know, a certain color that comes to mind and everything that we do, I believe, plays into an intentional construct within our own minds. So if we wake up and all of a sudden we're drawn to red, there's probably a reason why we're feeling that. That may be an internal mood, a state that we're wanting to project openly, and it could be an emotion that we're maybe repressing that we're wanting to reveal outwardly. Or maybe it's something that the collective consciousness is going through. So maybe it's a collective mood or an energy that a lot of people are feeling, which is maybe why we both decided to wear red today. It could be, but I noticed you tend to match with the people that you, you know, do podcasts. You tend to wear the same color. So maybe you're synced up with your guest that you have on the day. I don't know, but it's very interesting. And I think it's part of just being very in tune to the current state. So a lot of us, when we really pick up energy and are perceptive of the different micro changes that we're feeling deep down, viscerally, then we'll start to express ourselves accordingly because of that. So it sounds like you're very attuned to energy and you're just flowing with, you know, the day and the moments that arise. <gasps> Actually, that's that for me, um, <clears throat> like I don't feel people's feelings, but I can, I'm aware of them. 
my feeling comes in the in the in in the area of of frequency so and patterns generally but um but frequency for sure so even in my house like i have three emf reducing devices in my house like i took wi-fi out of my bedroom i want to live somewhere with more like a little bit further out of town somewhere that there's more nature like I feel very sensitive to frequency. And so I that that then also transcends into people too, of course. Um, I mean, not of course, but definitely because we are so such energetic beings and have so much power um, in that way. And so with people, I can also sense that. So if I can feel that there's something off and there's discord and there's not a match in their energy and the way they present, then I also get, um, well, I, I immediately know something's wrong. It also plays into when I meet someone or I'm meeting people and I don't have to be Danica Patrick, the race car driver, um, which is just a role essentially. Like I know how to slot into that. It is me. But it's just this part of me. And so when I don't have to be that and I can just kind of relax and chill, I'm actually really quiet because I'm totally trying to see if the way that people present is the same as the frequency that they're emitting. And I didn't know that I was doing that until probably like a, two years ago or so. Um, but that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to see if there's coherence and, um, and then how I want to deal with it. Do I want to just not talk to them? Do I want to totally dive in? Do I want to question them to some degree uh -huh. and kind of prove them out a little bit right there and right. then and there, which is a fun way to go, but not always the nicest. Mm -hmm. You're an empath. It's very clear that you're very attuned to your environment. And a lot of us empaths, we have this ability to be very, plugged into our surroundings. And the, the downside of that is we can become very hypervigilant to other energies and other frequencies at play. So I've noticed there is a dark side of the empath, which plays into the collective. There's a lot of empaths that are too hyper aware of their environment to the extent that they start to falsify themselves because they're responding to the environment when they don't necessarily have to. For example, I have clients that come to me, they're super empaths, they feel like they're always absorbing the energies around them. So for example, like a nurse who walks into a room, she feels her patient to the extent that she becomes her patient. She starts to merge with their field. She knows what they're going through. She feels their emotions. Mm -hmm. That can become very toxic and very difficult to always carry that burden of being plugged into the environment. So what can we do about that? I have blown people away because I told them that though you're an empath and you can feel the field around you, you can also shut out the ability to constantly let that field penetrate your own. Right. So there's a big difference between just taking in information and being able to process that information and create a barrier in between yourself and the environment. So what you can do is actually imagine that you can receive all the information eternally that exists outside of you, but also know how to filter it out by just deciding that you have a boundary around you. So with energy, it's very easy to learn how to filter it out simply by understanding that your own field is determined by everything that you decide to imbue it with. It's an intention. Exactly. We can decide to be this penetrating field that takes in everything around us, including the toxicity, including the low frequencies, or we can decide to keep that barrier. And when we set the energetic intention to have like a force field around us, a force field of light and love and our own, you know, state of being, then we get to predetermine what our field contains. So I told that nurse that she no longer has to be dragged down by these frequencies around her. And she's like, oh my gosh, I can actually experience freedom 
because this means that I don't have to be the receiver of all the information. And truly, that's what we are. We're a receiver of information, right? We're an antenna. We're all these energetic vessels, but we all to varying degrees and capacities can take in information and know what to do with it. So many of us, we struggle because we're constantly taking information and think that we don't have any free will. We don't have the ability to filter out or set that boundary, which is why I think one of the most important elements of self-love is being able to set that boundary. It's knowing who you are and knowing who you are not. So though you are Danica, the receiver of information who gets to feel energy all the time, you get to decide who is going to leach energy into your field, who are you going to share energy with, and that toxicity you can just decide to not allow in. That's the most loving thing you can do for yourself. And it's vital when you're an empath to know these boundaries, to know the standards of the energy you want to allow into your reality, which relates to relationships, all interactions, dynamics, and even receiving, you know, psychic influences. So it's interesting. I know people who live in New York City, for example, and they say that I can't be in the city for too long because it starts to weigh down on me. Some people, they feel like they get tired. They feel too much of the, you know, high frequency input that puts them in a gamma brainwave state and all that. And Mm -hmm. they feel like they need to get out. At the same time, I know of shamans who live in New York City and who say that this frequency actually uplifts me. So the high frequencies are putting my brain into a super tuned state where I get to harmonize. I get to feel alive. I get to feel the masculine energy of the city actually put me into a state of balance and puts me into like a wired state to achieve in life. So it depends on how we actually perceive the role of those frequencies around us. And even when it comes to red, you know, I wear red often. I decided to get my hair red as I went through some personal shifts in my life. I just felt really in resonance with that energy. But then I have people leave me comments all the time that are like, that red is a low frequency thing. And that's your root chakra. And that's not harmonic or spiritual. So it just goes to show how, exactly, (laughs) right? It's just a really subjective perception of the energy and the frequency. And there is no good or bad energy. It's all just energy. And every Mm -hmm. frequency plays into a you know, an infinite spectrum. So it just depends on the meaning that we assign to it. Hmm. Okay. Well then that plays into a question that I was thinking about. And then you said nothing's good or bad. So I've always been really curious about anxiety and like how people really, really deal with like debilitating levels of anxiety. Um, and I had not experienced anxiety. Well, I feel like anxiety is a little like an orgasm. If you're not sure if you have anxiety, you don't, right? It's kind of like an orgasm. And then it, once you experience real anxiety, you go, wow, I can't choose a good thought. I'm feeling my heart is racing. I feel my stomach is clenched up. Like there's like a whole visceral experience and an inescapable thought path. And, um, and so I had never experienced it until a few years back and I had a few episodes and I think it's only happened like once since. So I probably had it like four different times. I recognized, I think it was even like the second, third one, like maybe even all of them is what I'm, what I'm thinking. Well, it's what I feel like is true to me is that all of them weren't mine. I was, but I don't absorb people's energy. So I don't, understand why it happens sometimes is it because it's so so strong that it comes into my field and that it i that i actually gets through or or could it be like something else another en- energy or entity sort of attaching in a way like could this be more than just another human 
Do you see what I'm saying? So what was the source of the anxiety during the different episodes? Um, the source of it was someone else that had to do with relationship. Every time it's had to do with relationship challenge. Mm -hmm. Did it feel like you couldn't express yourself? Was there an anxiety with being yourself or speaking your truth to that person? It was not what knowing happened? the truth. It was feeling not like I didn't the know the truth, questioning the truth, feeling like I was getting information that was not, that was hurtful, but not, um, but not knowing if it's true. Right. Because is it intuition? Mm -hmm. Is it just a story I'm telling myself? So this comes down to do you really trust your feelings or mm -hmm. are your feelings the source of your anxiety? So a lot of us, we experience anxiety surrounding feeling something that we don't know how to express when our own truth is something that we come into conflict with because we think mentally that we need to act in a certain way in order to preserve ourselves in a certain situation. This is something that so many people struggle with. They feel one thing, there's an internal reality, but in order to express that means to go against everything that they have already externally manifested. Huh. So for example, you're in a relationship that doesn't feel good to you, but mm. yet you wake up every morning and you do your best to put on a show to preserve that relationship. So you tell yeah. your partner certain things, you deprive yourself of your own needs, you say things that are in contradiction to your truth in order to just keep that going. Mm. So what are we actually doing at the end of the day? We are lying to ourselves, keeping ourselves in the dark in order to maintain some external reality that we think is going to suit us. But does it really? Usually that ends up resulting in anxiety and depression and suppressed feelings in personal mistrust and in quieting our inner voice because we don't believe that it deserves to be heard. When I visited Egypt, I was introduced to an expert aromacologist who explained the healing powers of various scents. I returned home with 18 bottles of powerful essences that unlocked specific feelings and had all sorts of healing properties. I became inspired to find a functional way to deliver them in a new consumer lifestyle product. Candles became my medium. Voyant means seer, a reference to the inner eye chakra one of the key energy points in the body essential to wellness and healing. Voyant is a doorway to openness and imagination, a catalyst in our daily journey. Whether you're connecting with others or enjoying alone time, Voyant strives to beautify the home and the soul to create a haven of peace and joy. The candle is delivered with a beautiful monogram 12-ounce stemless wine glass, which can be used after the wax is gone. My limited edition candle collection is available exclusively at voyantbydanica.com. Right? That is so a really in, deep reality. when we're in such dramatic contrast to our higher self's awareness and our own personal truth that the system goes... Anxiety is telling us that we need to pay attention to ourselves. And yet we see it and we try to silence it even more. We think of anxiety as something that we need to just run away from. But right. similar to pain, it's a reality that means you need to listen more to yourself. Oh. A lot of people approach pain in that way, too. They think that if I'm in pain, you know, I need to try to shut those feelings down, try to do something to run away from myself, when in truth, it's the exact opposite thing. It's your self-consciousness of your internal system begging you for attention, wanting recognition, wanting you to actually go within and accept those feelings and somatic experiences. But what do we often do? We just keep going into the world and try to distract ourselves. We want to try the next thing to run away from our own truth and everything we know to be real for us deep down. That's yeah. the most degrading thing we can do. Well, the last time it happened, I basically 
responded within it probably was discomfort for like 30 or 40 minutes. And then I ended up sending a message being like, um, I'm having like a somatic experience. My body's freaking out. I know it's not, I, I, I said, it doesn't feel like mine. I don't know what's going, is something going on? Is there information in the field coming to me that is not yet in my conscious awareness that lands in the subconscious or in the energy body that tells me something that is not yet arrived up here in the brain? Well, really, they're all entangled, right? Your right. soul, your heart's consciousness, your higher self, that knowing that's in the field. Basically, you know who you are at your core. You could feel that by connecting to your heart, by just being with yourself, feeling that information. But it's also something mm -hmm. that is in the field. Because mm -hmm. you could say that in the holographic field around us, there exists really a true version of us, the soul that is non-local. So you could be picking up that information Right. As you're entangling with your higher self, right. that's coming through intuition, through subtle cues, which a lot of people wonder, what's the difference between then fear and intuition? If intuition right. can come in the form of fear when we feel like we're out of alignment with our higher self. So that's something to really look for, too, because fear in the mind is usually the opposite of intuition. But something that feels like fear, because when you're in your heart, you feel out of alignment with something you're dealing with externally, could be the intuitive cue you need to go back within and connect to that source of truth, which is either internal or you could say external, but not relating to the people around you that are, you know, trying to get you out of alignment. So this is really a question of whether or not we want to come back home and know who we are and do what's right for us to connect with that frequency of just pure integrity and, and truth. This seems like the answer for everybody would be yes, right? I feel like everyone would say, I want to know the truth. I mean, I don't think everyone's prepared to deal with what that means, but I think everyone would. So what blocks that? Like, what is it that doesn't allow someone to step into a deeper knowing and sense of truth and sense of self? It would be the harsh reality that everything that you're experiencing now is due to you depriving yourself of that truth. Once you step into the truth, you have to be accepting of everything that you've done that is in opposition to it. And so we go into this cognitive dissonance state. We go into the state that we have to now be responsible for everything in our reality that we dislike. And we have to take ownership over these parts of us that we've kept in the dark and we've denied our truth, which turns into our shadow and it turns into the repression of all the emotions that really are deep down telling us what our personal truth is saying. And so externally speaking, when it comes to things happening in the world, which we often you know, turn our attention away from, the same thing holds true. We don't want to see the reality because that would mean accepting everything that is also teaching us the deeper lessons about ourselves. And we don't want to harmonize because that means having to reconcile the parts of us that we have not seen, we have not understood. And so this is what you know makes people go into these repeating cycles of constantly manifesting the same situations, mm -hmm. dealing with the expression of their shadow because they're all the time just trying to deprive themselves of that truth. And it's easier for people to sort of live a lie than to look in the mirror and to figure out what is it that's causing the expression of these things that I dislike. But then that means not trying to run away from them anymore. So to truly embody the truth means having to meet everything that you've been wanting to suppress. It's wanting to see everything in your reality as an expression of you, which could be the most difficult part. Because we want to say that, you know, certain things we're not responsible for. Some things are just, you know, part of suffering and the universe's test for us. But it's a matter of how do we respond to that? And do we want to respond truthfully or keep ourselves in this loop of just believing that the universe is working against us?
because truthfully might mean the end of a relationship, the end of a friendship, the end of a job, the end of where you live, the end of how you go about your life, certain habits and hobbies you have. And, you know, as I say so often and had to say it to myself in the past is that your new life is going to cost you your old one, you know, and, and that's a hard thing for people to, and I think there's, there's some, there's a deep attachment that people have to, I can feel it in the energy of like, um, like Joe Dispenza's book title, like breaking the habit of being yourself, but in this sort of, uh, changing of personality or like becoming someone different. It's like, there's a real loyalty to the persona that someone has created for themselves that they don't want to abandon. There's like a certain, um, they feel like that's the wrong thing, that that's not somebody loving them just the way they are, or they feel like it is somehow the, like, just not, um, like, like that, that, that it's an abandoning of the personality. In the heart of Napa Valley lays Somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The Somnium Vineyard Estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code SOMNIUM to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a coping mechanism, really. It's a defense mechanism. Oh, it's, kind it's of just like the, the COVID- ego story they tell you to go like, oh, no, this is who you are. Right. Which is the most pervasive image of who we are. We start to have a love affair with this ego because we think that it's what we need to sustain our sense of self. Because mm-hmm. what's really what's true deep down, if we keep going deeper and deeper past those layers of falsity and, you know, self-image, things that we fabricate in order to believe that that is who we are, is a totally fluid essence. At the core of it is no essence at all. I mean, everything is just pure energy, pure potentiality, pure consciousness. So when it comes down to that infinite potential of ourselves, we want to fragment it. We want to bring it into some kind of constructs that we believe make us more relatable, more appreciable, more loved. All the while, this is something that we developed when we were still so young that we didn't Mm. have a sense of identity. And so we learned to take these mental constructs and turn them into ego constructs. And you're so right, like personality is something that could be completely fluid, except we don't want that to be because we think that it's unsafe to go into the world in a fluid way and to just meet the demands of life without being necessarily fixed in our own identity. So consistency is something that I feel like the ego or in this human experience, we tend to lean into, right? We want to make sure that we're safe in whatever way that is through personality disorders, through the, the the hobbies and habits we have, the friends we keep, the relationships we attract, but it doesn't always mean it's to something good. It's just consistency. So right. what challenges are inherent to this reality that we are in? And is that even true? Are there certain things that is there anything inherent or is this whole thing transitory and we can shift and transcend it into something completely different called the human experience right the inherent nature of it is that we were born into a third dimensional construct where we believe that we need to be submitting to this construct and so when we get into the spiritual sense of 
you know, wanting to transcend, wanting to enlighten, wanting to become the fifth dimensional consciousness, we can come into an awareness of what it means to live outside of the box, outside of the matrix game, which means learning to see outside of the program. But to transcend that isn't necessarily to not exist within it. So for as long as we're here, we're existing within the matrix, right? Within the third dimensional reality. So what our consciousness knows is that there's constantly these boundaries that we're up against. We're up against boundaries of time, which your mind can recognize, but we know that time is also transcendental in nature. But we mm -hmm. have to learn how to work with those constructs, just like we have to learn to integrate duality. Duality is a construct within the third dimensional consciousness. We know that everything has a plus and minus, positive, right. negative charge, right? Mm -hmm. That's not something that we can transcend. If we know love, we're also going to know pain. If we know yeah. sadness, we're also going to know happiness. We have mm -hmm. to learn to experience and love that balance. So that's inherent to us. But there is something very pervasive to being within the matrix and wanting to conform to it. That is what the collective mind tends to do. People tend to be as one with the herd. They want to do the same thing that everybody else does. There's this mentality that, you know, we need to believe what everyone else believes. And so it's very difficult to learn how to transcend when, when we look around, everyone's doing a certain thing. And we can see this collective consciousness playing into all historic trends, everything from, you know, fashion to food to the latest diet to exercise trends. People are constantly playing into some trend created by someone who wants us to yeah. think and feel in a certain way. And when we don't doubt that, we're always going to be doing what everyone else does in the matrix, playing a game, fulfilling some role and not really knowing who we are because we're just adapting to the concept of life within the matrix. When we start to recognize that this is the matrix game and we're a unique individual that really exists outside of the matrix, we were born to come into here to recognize that this is what's happening, but really all the world's a stage for us to recognize who we are and learn what role do we really want to embody. Is it this person who is just operating by a script written by somebody else? Or perhaps are we someone who can recognize this game for what it is and learn to operate outside of it? So when we do that, when we step into that mentality of true awareness and awakening, then there becomes a reality where we exist outside of the matrix. What does that mean? It comes through in discernment, in being able to see, okay, certain things might have been taught to me, told to me, but I don't need to conform to those mental boundaries. And when you can exist outside of the mind's makeup and the mind's matrix of its own, there are different constructs which come into play. You can start to see that time is transcendental. You see the soul is transcendental. And more importantly, you see that your entire identity is transcendental, that you chose this embodiment in order to learn yourself through these different situations, interactions, people, and you chose your parents and you chose your upbringing and all these things that you believed existed outside of your free will, because within the matrix programming, you thought that you didn't choose any of it. But in reality, from an eternal perspective, your soul wanted this experience in order to understand itself more fully. So operating from that mindset gives you an ability to expand even more and to think about how can I design this game? How can I actually embody what unity consciousness means, which is that I am not separate from the matrix at all. The matrix conforms to my own perception of it, which means that you as a soul have the ability to understand that you are a fractal source consciousness. If everything is just consciousness, then consciousness created the matrix in order to make the illusion of it very real to make people wonder, can yeah. I exist outside of it? And what is all this even for? And when we get to that point, we can really see how there is no ego at all. And all of these disorders and different issues that people are dealing with are really just aspects of you not knowing that you don't have to conform to the matrix, which means you don't have to conform to your past. 
You don't have to conform to what your mind tells you you are. You don't have to look to the media and believe everything that you are told. You can really start to believe that you are a free, sovereign being governed by the universal one. And you can take that consciousness into a completely new experience and just start to play with it. And existing in that reality where you are the mind, you're as one with the cosmic mind and a higher intelligence brings you this truth that really there is no attachment other than what you decide to attach yourself to. And that's a game changer because then we can operate with love, with freedom, with virtue and dignity and really know that we are the creator of this experience. So why not make it the most fluid, harmonious experience that we can, which really frees the ego and it gives us a new dimension of perception where we're not clingy and hung up on these things that have happened to us and we're much more focused on how can we optimize, how can we bring into this world what we want to see in it. And that's really being kind of as one with reality as opposed to in opposition to it. So are you saying that everything in the matrix, like there's the matrix or these or these dualities, polarities are aspects, but you're not of them? I mean, because they, they feel like they're very real. It's completely real. If we can perceive it, it is real. We can't just say that it's all an illusion. Or we can also say that all dualities are as real as non-duality. Both truths are the truth. If we can start to see how truth is really the sum of all truths, we can get closer into what that fifth dimensional consciousness is exploring. But since we're still third dimensional beings, everything that appears to be real for us is real, which is why we can't negate any perspective. We can't say that someone's wrong and someone's right. Everyone's right in their own way, which mm -hmm. means that the only way to truly tap into truth is to see how integration or that summing up of our perspectives brings us closer to the reality of oneness. Mm -hmm. So masculine and feminine exist in order for us to explore these fundamental differences in charge and polarity in our third dimension. If we zoom into like the or zoom out into the universal mind, those polarities really cease to exist. Everything is just one at that level. But that wouldn't be very interesting for the purpose of exploring consciousness and knowing what it means to contrast, to experience differences, for a woman to know what it means to meet a man and to experience the differences in their own fields. Source had to differentiate into all these fragments in order to learn what combination means, to understand the merger of divine consciousness. Is there some kind of overlay that's testing us in some kind of way? Or is this merely um, vibration and frequency morphing and intersecting with things and it, as it kind of morphs perhaps the the test gets more intense until there's a lesson and then there's a shift in the frequency and then you you know like do you see what i'm saying is this are there tests from an, another level of beyond us an overlay that's affecting us or is this merely all we're all it's all one field of frequency and we're just kind of waving in and out of our own little area. Mm -hmm. Well, I think they're both true, really. Everything is just quantumly entangled, which means both realities that you just described are true. Everything has to exist on some kind of continuum, which means that even what we perceive to be the past is part of the future, right? They're both entangled, which means that the higher dimensions might just be higher frame rates of consciousness, 
we're at a lower frame rate, so, which means <laughs> right. we can't perceive the truth at those higher frame rates. Oh it's just like God. somebody who's like super awakened and super aware and knowledgeable could really regurgitate this information very quickly. They could see it fast because they're responding based mm-hmm. on their own brain's ability to just to be with it. So it's very fast for them. Meanwhile, someone who's on a slower frame rate of consciousness, we could say, is just observing the reality at only their limited degree of perception. So they can't see all the waves. They can't see all the frequencies, which is also why very literally people who are more plugged in, who access those higher states of consciousness, they are more attuned to the whole spectrum of frequencies. They are more of the empaths. They can feel more. They could see more, which is why psychedelic substances, you know, make us also more in tune to the point that we can see at those different, like through the veil. We could see the different colors. We can see the hallucinatory experiences, even without the psychedelics through our own mind's eye, through the pineal gland, through connecting to the scalar field and picking up that information like an antenna, which means you're really just raising your frequency to the point that you are operating at that higher dimensional level, even here on third dimensional plane. So maybe that's what it takes for us to transcend. It's understanding how can we unlock the door through our own consciousness in the 3D in order to understand how how do we even end up in the 5D plus to begin with. What if we, if this was the first step, what if the higher dimensions are really our future? What if that's what it took for consciousness to learn how to build the ladder in order to access its infinite potentiality? Kind of like a kindergartner going through, you know, an adult in life, having to go through the stages of awareness and disintegration and wars and fighting and polarities. And then, you know, eventually merging into the infinite one again. It's all Mm -hmm. happening at the same time, simultaneously, this beautiful divine, you know, game. That's coming back to the same truth of oneness. I kept thinking of a story when you said frame rates um, uh, of eating an edible, uh, THC edible for one of the first times. And I was cracking up and I'm like, I'm missing frames. And that's all I kept saying. I was like, I'm missing frames. And, And it's like, you know, no, really, like it's like. I'm seeing like life and then all of a sudden I miss a few frames and then it kind of comes back and I feel like there's just like missing frames, but that is how it's working, right? Like it's just explain more about that. Go, go further into frame rates and, and how that plays into our perception of reality. Yeah, we could say that when we were born, we had like a very slow frame rate. We couldn't really understand too much. We were just observing and waiting for the experience to fill us with the ability to perceive it, which is why we take in information very fast when we're still, you know, little kids who are very observant and just ready to understand the reality around us. And through the programming, eventually we get to the point where we can observe reality at a certain frame rate, which tends to be kind of the status quo, the collective consciousness level, which is a lot of people just taking in information selectively based on what they are given. And that's a very kind of modified ability to perceive at large. When we start to ask deeper questions, when we start to come into alignment with ourselves, and like you said, even being able to discern between fear and having interactions tell us that there's a higher self maybe, or possibly a different reality than the one that we're experiencing that exists internally or outside of us, that puts us in the position to tap into those higher frame rates of consciousness. When we start to have more information coming in, when we start to listen, the intuition that can flood us is also us being able to connect to those higher frame rates of consciousness. So it's really just being able to perceive that reality exists on this kind of accordion that consists of different frequencies, different levels, different paradigms. And all of us are existing in a paradigm of our own. But We can always change the frame rate. 
if we decide that we're curious and we want to learn more and we want to receive more answers, us just setting that energetic command opens up our field to receive more information and more clarity. What it takes is often such a subtle cue, just deciding that we're ready or deciding that we want to change or deciding that we're ready to be more conscious and we don't want to live within this kind of a matrix trap that many people find themselves in but think that they're trapped, which just creates the trap for themselves. The truth is we are free and there was never kind of a box to begin with. So thinking outside the box is realizing that the box is entirely an illusion. And so you can exist whatever frame rate you want to. You can be as free as you want to. But we so often believe that because everybody else is limited, we have to exist in a limited paradigm, which is ultimately the thing that we need to disintegrate, is this notion of stuckness and being constricted by some construct that is outside of us. So what do we become next? We can become as one with everything, which is the most kind of transcendental awareness that we could have. I mean, of course, there's a self. The reality of the self can't be ignored. We came in here in order to experience who we are, to know that we have, we have something unique to bring into the world. We have our own gifts, our own talents, our own desires. When we start silencing those things, we just become like everyone else. When we come into this reality of we could be anyone that we want to be, and we're truly as one with the all, then a whole new reality begins to awaken within us. We might start changing our job. We might start doing things completely differently. Like you said, changing our relationships, find ourselves surrounded by completely new people and situations because we just plug into that true source of who we are. And really there is no ego at the core. The ego is just the chosen identity. So the self is something that is really magical. It's what the soul is characterized by and it's who we are at our core. So to tap into that authenticity means that we're actually doing what we're meant to be doing here, which is arguably the reason why we're actually here. We must have some innate purpose and a reason why we chose to embody this physicality in order to, you know, experience this entire creation or something to learn. There has to be a deeper lesson. And when we start asking ourselves, you know, really, why are we experiencing this? Why us? Instead of why is this happening to us? Why is this happening for us? We can start to see life as a gift given to us and chosen by us to create the most potentiality. We can start to play. We can start to, you know, curiously explore different possibilities. Like you are such a great example of someone who just asks these deeper questions and, you know, is now experiencing a totally different reality than you once were. Oh. Could could you ever imagine when you were a race car driver that you'd be oh. doing this today? <laughs> I mean, somebody, people have asked, like, have you always been into this or your interviews seem very deep? Is this new? And I'm like, no, like... It's not, but there was never a time, space, and a place for it. Like since probably from 2015-ish on, but really got going more in 2017, I retired in 18. Um, I mean, it is part of what what pushed the retirement, I think, for me, or, you know, leaving that behind and um, was that I just wasn't syncing with my environment as much. I was feeling how uncomfortable it was for me. It just the energy of the people, the environment, just it just wasn't comfortable as comfortable anymore. And so when I sort of let it go and let it be whatever it was going to be, it it's it it left. And mm-hmm. um but I think about the way that I think now and the things that go through my head now and I'm like I don't think about my brain doesn't work even close to the way it used to. Like the thoughts that go through my head all day, every day, I would say they must be, and I'm just trying to give my old self a little credit. Um, 
of a little staying power, but um, because again, I'm attached to some degree to that personality, right? Um, Maybe 10% of the same, but maybe 5% of the same, but the rest of it is totally different, totally new. And, you know, we really operate much more like a, like a computer than anything, right? We don't have to be the same thing we were. We neuroplasticity and reprogramming the way that we think is, um, is completely our, uh, in, within our control. So why has that been a veiled sort of truth to us? Why, why is it that why is it that everything is coming through so much now? And I was just thinking a couple of minutes ago about talking about time. We're talking about reality and we're talking about transcendence to some degree. And so it's like, and frames per minute, frames per second, and like the framework that we see, the the speed of frames and like how time and where we are in the universe and what's happening feels like it's very accelerated right now. So maybe the question to go to, because there was a lot in there, is what is happening energetically with the planet right now? We're going through a massive upgrade, which is something that has happened. And, you know, history sort of loops on itself, just like time does. So periodically, we have to go through these sort of recalibration cycles and moments, these pivotal periods when we get to, uh, I see it as a critical mass point. When there's too much of the same old, there's too much of a buildup of certain certain energies, certain certain themes going on in the collective. And there has to be a breakdown of those recurring patterns and cycles. There has to be a reboot, an opportunity for people to come into alignment with something completely different. So mm. The collective doesn't really want to be experiencing the same thing, just like energy is always shifting and moving. Yeah. It's entirely fluid, like everything else, right? Even in nature, we see these trends and themes occurring all the time. There can't be a buildup of something. Ecosystems eventually transform in some ways, you know, animals move. There's all, always some kind of dynamic motion happening. So the same thing occurs at the cosmic level, at every level of the organism up to the collective consciousness, right? So we are going through some kind of time of change, which is forcing us to look more into that duality that's at play, more at the individual level, and then bridging that into the collective mind which is something that happened, you know, clearly with the pandemic. So many people were forced to look within when they ended up at home, which is a very uncomfortable reality to experience, but also taught so many people about that truth, that there is a difference between just living the life that we thought that we were supposed to live and entering a state of forced isolation, or maybe that's really just coming home to who we really are, which took a lot of people into the transition period. Do you want to keep keep doing Mm -hmm. what you've been doing or do you want to live a completely different reality? At that point, it's really up to you. The choice is apparent. So collectively, generally on this planet, there's an upgrade happening. But is there potential within the individual to decide which to go a different direction, meaning ascend, raise your frequency, or can they actually go the other way? Mm-hmm. Or is it staying static and then the contrast becomes more dramatic? Totally a choice. You can always evolve or devolve at any time. And that's really, that's where you're currently at. That might not seem to be a choice, but usually it's when it doesn't seem to be a choice that you're actually devolving or you're just staying stagnant. Yeah. But if you can see that there is choice at play, you can make different choices on a day-to-day basis. And it's in these micro adjustments that you make even just mentally. 
being mm-hmm. able to free yourself from feeling like there is no ability to mm-hmm. to choose differently. Mm-hmm. It comes mm-hmm. down to this sense, and a lot of people are struggling because they believe that there is no free will, which is something very, you know, deep. We can argue about this. It's a bit of a paradox in itself because there is and isn't free will. Just like everything, there has to be the two sides to the same coin. From a higher self level, maybe we had the free will to choose this experience. Maybe this is a chosen assignment for us to figure out how much do we want to evolve given certain circumstances, given certain experiences that we chose. But down here, we don't know that. You know, when we realize that there is a choice, there emerges a new reality. There's a different version of ourselves that we can contact. And maybe there's even a future self that knows that we have the ability to choose differently, which comes into some interesting topics of, you know, parallel realities, different timelines, being able to quantum jump. With plant medicine, I would say the most I would describe this um, is that to me, it feels like when you go in, you're really your reality on the inside and the outside are somewhat matching. And then you go and do a ceremony of some kind and then they don't match up at all anymore. And so I call it like you just you're jumping timelines a lot and it takes a while for your reality to catch up with what you've just experienced and now what you know and what is embodied within you because you've you've been there you've seen it you've felt it you've cried through it you've purged through it you've you've really embodied that new re- a different reality um <clears throat> so it's probably the area of quantum physics that i get the most confused about is dimensions and timelines um i mean i can regurgitate it but i don't i don't can't see it clearly so i would love for you to explain how that all works and you know even perhaps in that example what's going on so i think for ease of understanding this and for everyone watching it's easy to understand the concept looking back so in retrospect we can imagine different versions of ourselves throughout our lives versions where we're slightly different we're doing different things we're feeling a little bit different maybe when we had less information about who we are we understood mm-hmm. a little bit less, especially mm-hmm. if we're at this more awakened level now. Mm-hmm. There's a more, there's a lesser awakened version of ourselves that we can remember. That reality is still real. So we can imagine what happened when we were at the fork in the road that made us take certain choices and go down a different route. Okay. We can say, arguably, that those versions of us still exist. And perhaps if we hadn't made the choices to take us where we are today, we would still be that version of self. So we can play with this a little bit and think but as a thought continue. experiment. What if they do? What if those versions of us are still alive and well, and they're going down a different route, experiencing a different fate of their own? Maybe we experience an ultimate fate in this lifetime, but there's different routes in order to get there. Maybe there's different timelines where we have more or less bumps in the road, more or less challenges, where we awaken slower or faster, experience different frames of consciousness along the way, meet different characters, operate with different frequencies and mindsets, ultimately to get somewhere. So maybe point A and point B are the same, in between what's occurring simultaneously are different realities in which we're these different versions of ourselves operating under different mental conditions all to get to where we need to be. So to jump the timeline, we have to understand that that future self that we want to experience, it's also occurring right now. In order to embody that future self, we have to think about what is that future self doing? What is it feeling? What is it thinking? What reality is it experiencing? What frequencies exist in that realm? What are we doing now that does not align with that future self? And we start to think about really what is our self? What is the sense of self that we believe 
defines us, what is permeating our entire world right now, if we consider the entire reality around us to be a projection of our own subconscious mind. We have to start to understand what is in the subconscious mind. What is it made of? What are mm -hmm. we not seeing that is projected all around us? And that puts us into the position of having to really reverse engineer our, our reality from the standpoint that it's everything in our mind that is comprising our entire world. So if we want to quantum jump, we have to identify certain factors currently at play that we maybe don't want to experience. So maybe you want to jump into a reality where we, you have an improved relationship or you're more abundant or you're happier in some way or you're healthier. So that means you have to be forced to think about what made you unhealthy or what made you unhappy or what put you in the place right now where you want to change those things. Now you're simultaneously operating in three different observed, observed states. You're seeing the present moment. You're seeing where you once were that put you in the present moment. And you're thinking about where you have to be one day, which means tuning yourself to a whole different reality. And you're actually existing in these three different standpoints of your own consciousness. Now, your consciousness is really just one, one vessel. It's one soul frequency, which exists outside of all of these three third-dimensional experiences. But in order to quantum jump, you have to sort of get to that transcendental state where you realize, I am not this that I currently am. I am not my past, but I can be whatever future I want to experience when I really jump onto that timeline. And this is what emerges from this, you know, quantum creativity standpoint, that you can really play with your mind, tweak your thoughts, fantasize about a totally different reality based on your different thoughts and your ability to side with a different version of yourself, which makes you dismiss certain things in the past, which puts you into the present moment of deprivation and resistance, and that puts you on a totally different timeline going forward. Many people have experienced, you know, totally spontaneous manifestations of healing, miraculous healing, different things in their life where they realized oh my God, the past was never even attached to me to begin with. They cure themselves of unknown maladies. They didn't know why they manifested them in the first place. They experienced massive shifts in their relationships. They have miracles come in in terms of money, finance, their career, and all because they started to entertain a totally new possibility. So with quantum physics, the whole premise is that reality is fluid. It's a very spooky quantum realm because observation is mm -hmm. really what determines the outcome. So if we think about it from that standpoint, if we don't know what's in our subconscious and yet our subconscious is projecting our reality, then we need to learn to observe the subconscious, to illuminate the subconscious mind and to make the subconscious conscious that will allow us to understand what expectations are creating our world. Because we know from quantum physics that when we change the expectation and the observation, the outcome also changes. It feels like we can't see ourselves. I can see people like I, I get it. I, it, I see their patterns. It seems obvious to me. I, I pick up on the frequency and like the whole puzzle feels very obvious. It's like a kid's puzzle to me, but it doesn't feel so obvious. And this way I'm like, I wish I could see myself as easily as I see other people. So it feels to me like we're this mini universe of source trying to experience itself right on a micro level to the macro of supposedly source fractioning off to experience itself low gr learn grow and and just know itself like that's our own little world too like everything around us is informing us of us is this an accurate assessment i think that's beautifully put 
that's a very enlightened, aware realization <laughs> about how the entire universe is a reflection of you, of your experience. So of course, there's more to the universe than we can see. But yeah. what we're experiencing in, in our own matrix of our mind is a reflection of ourselves. This is why when we change certain aspects of ourselves or we see ourselves more fully, everything seems to transform and very quickly because we're just becoming accepting and aware in our observation. So the same thing goes for quantum physics. It all plays into the same concept of what consciousness is and why does it even need to experience itself? You know, in the whole scientific community, this is a major question, the hard problem of consciousness. Why does it <laughs> right, need exactly. to exist? Like, a what's the point? A con yeah, consciousness is this thing that has a very transcendental nature. It's truly a cosmic enigma, right? Why does it need to know itself? It's this substance that makes up all things, that lives within every animal, every tree, our own observation, within the water, every single thing is alive and it's operating as one with this cosmic mind. So the only feasible answer is that it really needs to observe itself. It needs to learn through interaction with everything else. What is the point of existence? What is the beautiful harmony of coexistence? What does it mean to love? What does it mean to go into the experience of completely being as one with everything else? And that beautiful experience of oneness is what we can experience when we detach from the separateness of I am my own ego and everything else is somehow a separate construct. It's really not. If you are consciousness, then we have to come into this awareness that we are just the same thing that everyone else is made of. Literally nothing is different, mm -hmm. which forces us to think totally differently about all things. Where does, uh, where does religion fall into all this? Because it feels like there's been a lot of wars over that. It feels like oh, yeah. they're very divisive and, and judgmental, even though the whole thing is about love each other. It's like, except for if you believe this, then you have to feel bad for them because they're going to hell. It's like, mm -hmm. where did religion come into all this? Religion was a divide from the truth of the essential oneness that originally existed. It was created by mankind in order to create this matrix construct to teach a story about oneness while keeping people fragmented away from it. To teach and the story. The it's story. almost like a test. Right. It's a test of what are you really conforming to? As you listen to the story, what is it teaching you about yourself? Is it putting you in a, in a state of even deeper polarity? As you learn about these constructs and the deeper elements of the story, are you actually learning love? Are you learning to unify? Are you learning about oneness and what that represents? Are you just being stuck in a in a distorted version of the truth, which is that everything is one? How does that feel within us? When religion turns people against each other, we could say that there is some distortion coming in. Technically, religion should put an end to all wars and it should make people unified and result in utopia, right? But we know that's not happening, which means that this clash, this fragmentation is just another way that consciousness has fragmented itself to maybe make people consider, do we need religion? To right. learn the one, the one truth. And there are religions that are now proposing a different reality, like omnism. It's speaking to the fact that all truths are the truth, which is a beautiful conclusion, right? We could see truth My in, in every... It's great. Yeah, and it, it resonates really with people who are open-minded, who want to really exist outside of just one version of truth. And we want to see the meaning behind all of these systems. But many are, are archaic, and many have led to all of these wars and... Things mm. that are just putting people in opposition to each other, which we know doesn't really represent why we're here. Yes. So why just, why follow something that is putting more oppression into our divine creation?
That's so simple to just look at everything like trying to understand itself, question to lead to questioning anything other than oneness with anything. So that leads me back to my favorite fun topic, which is relationships. And it always feels like those seem to be the most stirring. So what, why is it that relationships pull us sometimes into our darkest places, intimate relationships? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think they're the most, they're, they're most filled with the lessons in our realities. Basically every relationship, it's the most telling thing about yourself. What are you really attracting? It's the best way to look in the mirror through the eyes of another person and how you're experiencing them and how they're experiencing you. <laughs> right? Every single thing in a relationship is part of the expression of your own dynamics within within yourself. So your partner ends up being your greatest teacher. They're either loving you into loving yourself even more, or they're teaching you how to love yourself to a point of maybe losing that attachment and learning to attract someone even better. But every relationship, it teaches you to be intimate with yourself. If there is intimacy present in the relationship, you can learn yourself to an extent that you would not learn through anyone else. Because through the partner, you're able to see the divine mirror of consciousness. You're able to understand the polarity game within you. What is the magic sauce in that, though? Because you've got friends, you've got parents, you've got whatever, but like that dynamic seems to be the most triggering. So what what gets stirred within us that makes it so potent? It's, it's got to be the, the dance of the masculine and the feminine, which exists within every single person. It's an energetic duality that we need to come to reconcile. We both, we, everyone wants, you know, the masculine feminine within them to meet. Because if that were to be a harmonic reality within us, we would have the dream relationship. We would understand what it means from the feminine aspect to feel, to experience the soft, warm energy of reality, to be compassionate, to be empathetic, to be loving, to be accepting, receptive. And to experience the masculine reality, which is much more of a go-getter, action-oriented, alive, dynamic force, which allows the two to really come into union. There has to be an invitation from the feminine to the masculine to allow that exchange to occur. So men often are seeking a woman to just play the feminine role while they can continue to be very dominant men, but they also need to experience the reality of the divine feminine within them. And so many women are you know, sort of taking a more oppressive approach when it comes to like, I want a man, but I don't know if I could have a man that really loves me the way I need to be loved because they're so dominant in their own masculine energy that they just aren't inviting the right man in. We have to be aware of what our energy is actually saying. A man needs to be slightly on the dominant side of the masculinity, but have a really healthy dose of femininity in order to be able to caretake the feminine, to be responsive to feeling to know the truth within his own heart, to experience that heart-based consciousness and not just be this, you know, very cold warrior. In reality, there's too many people that are just acting out of this, you know, strong-willed capacity to fight, to just live and survive. Same as women need to be able to warm up to their feminine essence and be that warm container for the masculine, but at the same time have enough will and strength to not feel like they need a man to define them. And so it's when a woman can hold her boundaries and know herself and have that healthy balance and a man can, that we can invite those people into our lives that reciprocate those energies and put us into, you know, the perfect state of harmony. But many people enter relationships because they want that to be filled without them doing the work. They want to find a man who completes them because they don't have enough inertia and initiative in their lives, just like men want a woman to 
maybe to be a doormat to just, you know, to take care of his needs. And while he doesn't really want to put into the work to, to caretake her as well. A man has his own natural capabilities. And it's something that we all come into this world knowing subconsciously, where a man has responsibilities, has a drive, has an ability to be the guardian that a woman needs, to feel like she could be a woman. But arguably both need to first embody their true essence for the other to come in. So a woman needs to be a woman, needs to experience her femininity and her power as the divine feminine in order to manifest that relationship with the divine masculine. It's when either is off balance that the wrong relationships come into play. And then these power clashes and fights happen in the dynamics between women who just have that internal imbalance going on and men who have that same kind of inner imbalance. Both partners then try to change each other, try to, you know, fight each other's external polarity differences, but really they're just fighting the inner fight. What's expressed externally and just is just the need to come into within themselves and understand what are they really missing internally? Where does a woman need to be more of the provider for herself? And where does a man need to be more sensitive to the emotional experience so that they could show up that way for their partner? And that's how we really end the polarity war. If we can show up to our relationships knowing that our partners are just mirroring the reality that we're experiencing. And the less balanced we are internally, the more imbalance we're going to manifest in order to understand where do we need to heal? Where do we need to recognize and see ourselves, which is often what we also don't want people to see about us which is the number one issue with intimacy. It's wanting to be intimate on some physical level, wanting to attract partners to make us feel better, but then not being truly intimate within ourselves, which means we're just going to attract more people, think that, you know, more relationships is going to solve the problem. We're showing up superficially with someone is going to solve the problem. But really, we all want and crave that deep intimacy, which only comes through self-love, the true validation of ourselves and the acceptance that no one can provide us, which allows us to then achieve the alchemy within that results in the alchemy with someone who's ready with us. I had this beautiful EMDR session where I went into an, an experience that happened and, and watched how it, how it went and the choices I made. And basically within it, the lesson I learned was that when I was in integrity and when I held boundaries and when I took care of my inner child or higher self, Nothing in my physical reality really affected me too much on an emotional level because I had chosen, I was with the, I was in the best relationship I could possibly be in. And I was in resonance with my, with my truth, with my higher self. And um, it was such a beautiful like example and reminder of how when we are connected to ourself when we're balanced within when we're listening to our truth that um that our outside reality isn't as triggering it isn't as emotional it isn't as charged because we've chosen that relationship within so if you choose the relationship with you and you as the number one could you essentially make any relationship work or is that just mean that when you do that, you now come into a, a vibrational frequency to align with someone in that same, at that same level? Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. I think people who are really self-aware, do a lot of self-reflection, know who they are and have these really strong boundaries, they're going to be way more selective about the partner that they're with. Because part of coming into this conscious realization of yourself means very being very conscious of who you share energy with 
seeing sex as something very sacred, as a conscious field blending exercise, knowing mm -hmm. that you take in your partner's energy. So you have to be very conscious of who you give your energy to, who you allow into your field, mm -hmm. and what history are they bringing into your reality too. So it's part of wanting to grow and elevate with someone. What history you're bringing into your reality. Say that, explain that. When we meet someone, we also start entangling with their own history too. Shit. Their their baggage, <laughs> <laughs> their energy, their field, it's supportive <sighs> of every experience that they've been through. So if we choose them, we also choose their entire past, everything that's made them who they are. So through if we're ready to... Exactly. If we're ready to embrace that, we have to take on what they're bringing, the entire shebang, the whole package, right? That, so, why have I made the choice? In? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's all, it's all good. I, I, I think the most beautiful thing is, is that the matter, no matter how challenging any one of them is, essentially, actually, the more challenging, the more lesson there is in it, the more growth, the more, more expansion. That's right. But hopefully love is more than just providing a lesson, something to learn from, right? So many people are in relationships where it seems like they're just struggling. They're trying to fix their partner, mm. trying to work through issues. They're not seen. They're not recognized. Mm. And very often what we manifest is what we experienced in our childhood. Another very important point to understand. If we were not loved, if we were not seen, we're going to manifest a partner who does the same thing who negates our needs, who's yeah. not there for us. And we believe that that is our reality, that that's what we're worthy of. And mm -hmm. so we become used to that treatment and we validate abuse because of our own internal abuse. And we also manifest our parents in other bodies through our partners often because we're still wanting to gain that validation, which we're never really going to get. So what we really need to be understanding is how do we get to that point where our primary relationship is with ourselves and with source, with mm -hmm. truth with the values where we could totally be ourselves. And then we just won't let somebody into our field who doesn't see us completely, where we're mm -hmm. not scared of showing ourselves completely, which means that our reality is going to be shared authentically with our partner. If there's anything that we're hiding, there's going to be this dichotomy between, you know, our truth and what we're experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis. And there's always going to be disappointment because they're not going to see us and we still want to be seen, but we also are refusing to be intimate because without self-intimacy, it's never going to be a factor of play in our relationship. Let's talk for a second about the other intimacy. Um, I'm just finishing up a book. Um, uh, it's the Mary Magdalene manuscript or the Magdalene manuscript um, about um, the uh, cult of Horus and Isis and sex magic. And it's fascinating. Uh, have you read it? I did read it, actually. What do yep. you think? Very interesting. Very interesting really? stuff. One of the really interesting points in there was that we can experience our alchemical union either through a partner or through ourselves. Mm. And there are different paths. And many people believe that there has to be this journey through somebody else, the meeting of a divine partner who catalyzes the great inner growth journey, and we learn all the lessons through them. But oftentimes there has to be an inner union first and foremost mm. in order to experience the catalysis that needs to invite that person in. Yes. So really, the lesson is that it's all about personal growth. It's all about revealing shadow and the elements of ourselves that need to be transmuted in order to hold space for that divine love, that reality mm -hmm. of true harmony and integration. And we can't rush this process. Really, the alchemical union is occurring through a lifetime within ourselves. Everyone's going through it. Everyone's learning the lesson of love. Everyone's learning this through their partners, their friends and family mm -hmm. and their parents. It's always happening. Mm -hmm. Sex alchemy is a really powerful, potent way to catalyze this because it often involves the kundalini rising, and that can be mm -hmm. a, a massive shift. It gives you a whole EMF field upgrade and 
usually opens up the third eye and the crown chakra and you end up with more downloads flooding into your reality and just experiencing a totally different world because you've been primed to receive sort of those higher frame rates of consciousness. You can see past the veil once you've experienced that depth of an interaction, which quite literally, you know, makes you experience a whole new world right away. Yeah. But that can't be sort of the goal. That can't be that we're just trying to manifest a relationship just to experience that alchemical union. I right. think the focus really needs to be on that inner intimacy, that reality of truth, that right. knowing, are you embodying that divine feminine spark or are you in that masculine energy and all the elements and qualities that, that requires to experience your divine union within you? That should be the priority. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. It, in the book, it does, does, articulate how important it is that the union is authentic, right? It's, it's just, this isn't just like a vessel. It's a, it's a, it's a truthful union where you both have to be honest and vulnerable and in integrity and in love essentially. Um, but it, um, but yeah, I mean, for those who don't know, it's basically like it opens up with, um, with the transmission from Mary Magdalene about her experience and how, um, she was uh, taught in the school of Isis uh, that she to to how to strengthen the Ka body, which is essentially the energetic body um, that is exists right outside of us, and that using sex and and an orgasm to basically take the energy that is that is happening down below and shoot it up the energy up your spine through all the channels, through all the chakras to essentially heighten that field. And then ultimately being able to manifest things more in that state. If you're thinking about them, it, it basically heightens anything going on and anything that you're thinking about. Am I getting that kind of right? Yeah, totally. It's super powerful and transcendental, the experience of having the whole chakra activation, the Kundalini rising and feeling like you're quite literally as one with the divine. It puts you in this state that you have, you're a clear channel. And at that point, you start to receive more energy, become very attuned to your surroundings. But I would caution people who are really fantasizing about this concept of the Kundalini awakening, because many people who end up manifesting the experience, they have a lot of after effects that they were not expecting. Oh, really? A lot of people, they even try to create the Kundalini awakening through yoga, through some forced exercises, which just stimulate the energy and the opening of those chakra points. It can be very overwhelming. A lot of people experience some psychotic episodes, mental issues after going through something like that. Lots of energy, lots of inner heat. It mm. feels like your your life is just, it's been pivoted. There's a before and after moment after having that experience. Because you what have you to recommend? be ready. Yeah, I recommend yeah. not not trying to manifest it as one thing. If it's something that you've heard about that is cool, but you you don't know if you should experience it. Let it come naturally. If there's a time for that energy to activate, it's going to activate. It might come in a spontaneous burst. It might come with a partner. It might come, well, it definitely will come when you're ready. And they're mm. usually, I mean, if we think about it as like the intention behind that energy, it's really, really creative life force potentiality. The reason we experience an awakening like that is to prime ourselves to be a vessel for our purpose, for our mission here. It gives you the ability to receive, to really be a conduit of the divine, which means that you need to be ready for stepping into that mission. If you're still trying to not be on your path when you go through an awakening like that, 
you're going to be very confused. You're going to be like, how can I turn this off? It was cool for some time, had a great orgasm, but then after that, there's too many after effects. That's kind of the reality that we have to understand that you cannot play with things like this. This energy is highly powerful and you have to really trust yourself to go through the process on time and as it should happen. So maybe what I'm what I'm hearing is that there's nothing to do. Life is doing you. In many ways, yeah. It's it's so always if someone wanted because if somebody's still in there listening and they're really curious about this stuff, they might be thinking, you know, they want to figure out how they can elevate, how they can um, raise their frequency, how they can strengthen that field, how they can um, be quantum leap, um, jump timelines. So is there anything to do or is it purely having the intention that you want to do that enough for the universe to go, okay, and then do you just let it go? Or are there actual active practices that you can put into your life that are going to help accelerate things? Well, there's a lot of work to be done within everyone, but I feel like we could learn to see that the universe is teaching us what to do through everything that comes into our lives. The lessons are all around us. The teacher <laughs> is, is you and life itself. Through everything that you're meeting in your reality, there's always a lesson to be learned. And one of the most potent ways to approach this is to just see that every trigger is pointing you towards something that you need to work on. <laughs> and most of us, we there's plenty of triggers. There's no shortage of, you know, things to be looking at within yourself. Mm. If mainly it's something that's troubling you with your relationships, usually the lesson is to think about how do you feel about yourself and just turning it from an external obstacle that you're trying to meet into something that you're internally understanding. What is the root of that issue? Mm -hmm. And that's really, that's that's the premise that I always try to remind people is really this entire simulation is a reflection of you. This is a divine mirror of consciousness. So when it comes to anything, there's a source that exists within yourself. With health issues, it's a very, you know, very good way to look at this because every problem has a psychosomatic root cause. Everything is pointing us towards something that we need to understand, which has an emotional and energetic basis. So we can think about something like a headache, for example, as like, what is that actually pointing us towards that we're experiencing or what are we suppressing? When did that headache begin? Why does it happen? What is the stimulus and what is the underlying reason for it? We tend to be in this process of just trying to achieve a better result, a better outcome, which means the lack of that pain or more of something that we think we need in order to experience more harmony, more happiness, more alignment and want to add stuff in, which I believe is a major issue with the popular law of attraction manifestation teachings. Many people, they enter this space spirituality because they go through disappointment in life, some kind of suffering, some feeling that they're out of alignment, they don't have what they want, they're in the wrong situation at the wrong time. And so they want to manifest change. So there's this internal reality going on of where you think, how can I bring this into my life, which I think I need in order to be happier, to experience a better reality. There's no understanding or acceptance of the reality that you're currently in and why it is what you're experiencing. And that's what has to happen for the manifestation to unfold. There mm -hmm. has to be a coming to that terms condition. with where you are, right? Mm -hmm. It's a it's a feeling of like, I'm exactly where I need to be. And if I'm not understanding that, then I need to resolve all the things that have happened to me before that put me exactly where I am. And so it's it's coming into this alignment of like, yeah, everything is happening exactly as it's supposed to. But if we're still not recognizing that, there's more inner resolve to be had. Mm. 
And that that brings us the experiences and the lessons, often through different people, through synchronicities. As soon as we set that intention, it's going to be everywhere. The resources are endless. The, the videos are going to be popping up on YouTube, the different advice, the different methods and everything. But more importantly, it's listening to ourselves and choosing the values that we want to espouse in our day-to-day lives. If we want to have integrity, we need to approach ourselves and everyone else with integrity. If we want to be loved, we have to be loved for ourselves. If we want a world of kindness, we have to start embodying that kindness. It's really Mm -hmm. these simple things, but so many people are externally chasing some reality, which they don't even believe in because they're not choosing to become that way. And so we have to make that choice. You gotta be a match. Make yourself a match. Totally. A vibrational match. So then what's the ultimate, what's the ultimate point then of this individual life itself? And does that just, is that, could that even continue into what is the point of of it all? Because it could be more macro, like, oh, it's to next, make your next reincarnation something the next step further, or maybe it's to to become a different entity that's not in this reality. Maybe it's to get back to source. Like, you know, from, from your perspective, what is the point of going through the pain? I think the, the point is to just come into the, the state of the awareness. It's dissolving all of the resistance to why it happened to get to the point that you are the awareness that shows the experience And you can fully come into alignment with the experience to dissolve the pain. That's what leads to the dissolution of pain and suffering. Suffering Um, is really just the mm -hmm. accumulation of pain that you haven't observed and haven't come into alignment with. That's often what I tell people. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Are we going to choose to see the pain and acknowledge the resistance and heal the triggers and go into the shadow and see everyone else's expressions of ourselves? Or are we going to still keep denying that essential reality that we know deep down to be true? And so there is no point. There's no destination. I'd say, ironically, kind of the destination is the point where you're not seeking the destination anymore. Yeah. It's where it's just isness. It's just everything is, and you're just happy with it being the way that it is. You come into that point. If we think about what would God be doing? What would God consciousness be experiencing? A reality of total acceptance, peace, and just, you know, happy with the way things are. Even if there are certain things that we don't like, this doesn't mean that we, you know, ignore the bad things that happen in life. A lot of people, they they come into conflict with this awareness because they think, you know, why, bad things are still happening to good people and there's ugly things in the world and how, how do we reconcile that? Well, we have to reconcile it by understanding there's a reason for it to be. There's a reason why it's happening and we may not be the cause or the effect of that, but we have to learn to coexist with those problems mm-hmm. and learn to be the best solution that we can be. We're here to elevate the frequency of the collective. We're here to be the carrier of that truth. The more people that come into this alignment, the better time it'll be for the entire collective. But it Mm. takes everyone just being devoted to what they can do. Though it seems we are these small beings that are more of an inconvenience to the planet. Like we really could do so much good if we just come to embody our purpose and realize that let's not cause any more problems for ourselves and other people. We can learn to be happy. If we devote ourselves to our own joy, to the pursuit of more happiness through authentic expression and through the knowingness of who we are. We don't come into more contradiction with other people or ourselves. We don't cause pain for anyone else. We don't cause pain for ourselves. 
And if we think of it as really this entire spectrum of frequency playing out just for the purpose of us learning how to elevate, then it's realizing what it takes to elevate that just changes the game. When life becomes this enjoyable pursuit of more, like we do, just curiously observing, curiously taking in more insight, learning how to live a more harmonious existence, we just dissolve that struggle and come more into alignment with that truth of oneness, which mm. changes everything. Mm. Thank you. Things just happening and having the experience for the experience. If there's anything plant medicine has showed me, it's probably that. Like, like that. That's one of the good lessons. It's just things happening, and it's just to be experienced. And also, what do we do with the experience? What does it change about mm. our worldview? What can we do to be the change we want to see in the world? Everyone can do something. There's so much more that we could be creating, so much more we could be doing. I think many people have these innate abilities and tendencies and desires to do certain things that we also repress. Mm -hmm. So really, I see life as it's art. We should be learning to create, create with our abilities, learning to do different things, to express our superpowers and our magic in different ways, whether it's through dance or singing or through cooking or through sharing with other people, sharing mm -hmm. what we're good at and doing it in a beautiful way to just light up the world with our potentiality and exploring also that potential that exists within us. Because so often, even children will have so many of these abilities, which are just shut down. They want to do certain things. Their parents tell them they're inconvenient and school deprives kids of the ability to do that. So yeah. instead, we're just we're fighting in this world where there's no opportunity, no portal for us to experience who we are. And that coming into love really means allowing ourselves to do everything that we want to be doing, becoming that parent for ourselves, to mm -hmm. nurture the inner child, to give ourselves the ability to play, to dance, to be happy, to, to do these things aside from work and the mundane activities of life, to learn what joy is, to learn to feel. We can experience the orgasmic interaction with reality at large, which is really just learning mm -hmm. to become attuned to everything, to you know, wake up in the morning, to experience, to feel the air, to breathe in alignment with yourself, to move your body in a way that feels right, to speak with people in a way that's harmonious to you, to do things and to every little thing can be imbued with more love. But that requires presence. And that's something that people are really at a loss for these days. I think that is the essential key. It's presence. Because what consciousness is, is pure presence. So the mm -hmm. destination really could be turned into just the point at which we dissolve all the distractions into pure presence of what is. And what can be is just more presence. How can we be so attuned that we're experiencing the most out of any situation? How can we experience our bodies to the extent that we're feeling every subtle feeling and not letting those feelings grow until there has to be an illness to be manifested for us to understand that we are our own teacher? Every subtle sign and cue is just more cues from the, from the universe to observe more, to feel more, to experience more. That is really the beauty of life, to experience that aliveness through our every motion, through our every interaction with the universe. And just that awareness of what aliveness means really puts us into the state of love. To love every feeling, to love the reason for everything to be, just puts you in then appreciation and gratitude. And so there is an, an escalation from the states of the lower frequency reality of just resistance, anger, frustration, denial, shame, fear, blame, guilt, all of these low frequency emotions. To transmute them, we have to understand what's on the underside of all those feelings and states. It's a reality that we didn't know was meant to teach us how to experience the exact opposite. 
the higher frequency dimensions of knowing that that's all meant to teach us more love. We didn't get more hate, more pain in our lives to just be stuck in that pain. We were meant to align with better outcomes by becoming more aligned with what can be. Mm, mm, in ourself. Wow. Thank you, Gabby. That was beautiful. And so it's like, it's so simple, but so hard, you know? And, um, but if it wasn't, then it might not feel as good either when you finally get to the other side of challenges, right? Um, it's that contrast that really brings it home and makes you feel joy and peace and bliss. Those are some quick eluding, but beautiful feelings that you never forget. And um, that's what it's all about. We have to ask ourselves, how can we experience more of all of these feelings? It's mm. usually a reality that's like, it's kind of foreign too. We don't necessarily know what it means to feel that deeply. And so what many people are trying to manifest through things is really the state of feeling more of those true emotions. To align with bliss is not just to have things that you think will give you bliss, but it's to first experience the feeling that you want to get you there. So what if we redefine manifestation from the acquisition of things to make us feel to acquiring the ability to feel the feeling which will get us to where we want to be? You think the boat's going to give you bliss? It's like, no, what if it's a, you, you think it's a boat? Like, no, it's not. It's actually a go-kart, you know, or it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a house full of plants. You didn't know it, but it's totally different delivery than you could ever imagine. And if we just ask, we just embody the feeling and know how we want to feel and feel it, then the universe delivers what it is that's a match to that. Right on. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's a long road for all of us, but it's beautiful. And the joy is in the journey. That's for sure. So Completely. thank you for teaching and sh teaching us so much. You're, I can't believe that you're 23, right? Almost. Oh yep. my, almost yeah. 23. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're so far out of the curve. It's just crazy, but um, grateful for that. So, so good to get to finally meet you. And I'm just like you such too. a fan of your work and your messages and um, for those who haven't been introduced to you, they will be they will be they will be glad that they have and they get to enjoy you from now on because it's um, some of the simplest, greatest heartfelt messaging that I feel like is out there. So thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.